This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. This morning we're going to dive into this series, and this is all I'm asking for. This is what I'm believing for this morning. I want you to join with me because there's, there's, there's unbelievable strength in teamwork and unity. And I want you to join with me as we go for the next several weeks, believing God, trusting God for more. Everyone say more. And here's, here's what I want to try to get you to, to come, come with me in believing God for. Here's the thing. As good as you have it with God, there's always another dimension with God. And that dimension is available to everyone that believes. So at the end of the day, it's actually on us. It's on you to determine the depth or the height or the width of your experience with God. It comes down to what do you want? How much do you want of him? And it's my prayer that we just kind of uh, not to be too redundant from a, a month or two ago, but let's take the limits off of him. Let's believe him for more. Everyone say amen. amen. I want to talk about, about something that's interesting um, within, the, within the family of God, but it's also interesting within the uh, secular setting because this stirs up a conversation with most people, and that are these, these words when they're packaged together. Miracles signs and wonders. When that's thrown out there, whether it be from grandma or whether it be from a, a person at work, uh, whether it be through a song or whether it be me as a pastor, when people use the terminology miracles, signs, and wonders, oftentimes it stirs up a few different reactions. Now, let me kind of help you on where we're going with this. There's one particular response to the terminology, miracles, signs, and wonders, that causes certain individuals to say, ah, I'm not real into that. Or it may even be connected to or partnered to the mindset that, oh, those days are past. Maybe it's connected to the mindset or the thought of, well, I want to keep that at arm's length because I don't understand it. I'm not, I've never witnessed it. I'm unfamiliar to it. So miracle signs, and wonders for certain group it's at a distance and it's kept at arm's length. But then over here, there's another mindset when you say miracle signs and wonders that that's it. I mean, that is the top of the totem pole. That is as cool as it gets. That is hot as it is. That's what certain people desire and they live for the miracle signs and wonders. And what happens with this group is, Mario, they find themselves, uh, they're, they're willing to drive hours to crusades and hours to conferences and special services where the word on the street is there's going to be miracle signs and wonders and people are gravitated towards the miraculous. And they're willing to go to great extremes to get into the environment where it's expected to be the miraculous. Yeah. This also creates a problem uh, that I don't really know of a polite way of saying this. It creates a problem of church hopping because if you're one that really loves miracle signs and wonders, if there's a church that's experiencing something 
miraculous, boy, you're there and you're in the middle of it. You're on the fourth pew. You're the greatest supporter of that church. But when God chooses to go a different route that may not be as fascinating and as phenomenal to your understanding, well, we'll drive across town and go to another church that's in their moment of the miraculous. I hope this is making sense to you. I feel that both of these mindsets are dangerous. One, if you don't believe in miracles, the good news is you probably won't ever have one. Secondly, if all you want are miracles, well, I hope you continue to see them and have them because the day that you don't experience them, your, your faith will be, uh, it, it'll be shot and you'll, you'll miss out. I think there's a middle of the road. I think there's a balance. I think there's a way of, of, of having good, uh, a good orderly understanding of Scripture when it concerns the miraculous while experiencing the miraculous. And then once it's not experienced, being okay with it. Let me explain it this way. Um, <clears throat> you that are sitting here this morning, I love the fact that we've got some younger ones in this service. Most of the time they're at Calvary's Kids, but due to the baptisms, uh, today we have some younger ones. And I, I'm about to say something that, that even they will get and it could possibly change the course of their future uh, for how they respond to this thing called faith. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you've never experienced or witnessed a miracle because I know that some of you are here that would raise your hand to that question and I don't want you to raise your hand because I'm going to prove to you that you have actually and I don't want you to feel weird about being that guy that raised his hand early. A lot of people feel they've never been around a miracle and the truth of the matter is you are sitting next to one and, believe it or not, you are one. Let me kind of help you understand what I mean by this. Sitting right where you are, whether you're twiddling your thumbs, whether you're scratching your neck, whether you're dozing off here and there, which is quite often in this kind of weather. I, I even took a nap, and that was like 10 seconds ago, and you just didn't see it. I had a five-second power nap between sentences, just like that. You just never saw it. Sitting right where you are, you're metabolizing or burning energy. Sitting right where you are, you're, you're uh, receiving information and you're, and you're digesting food. Sitting right where you are, you're uh, manufacturing hormones in your body, your skin. It's mending tissues, believe it or not. Sitting right where you are, you're mending tissue in your body. You're circulating blood throughout your, your body right now. Right where you are, you are actually involved in a miracle because it's beyond the ability to understand all of it. It's greater than you. It's beyond you. It's a miracle. It's a greater than just the natural. It's supernatural. It's above the natural. Believe it or not, sitting right where you are, your brain is calculating and performing over 10 quadrillion calculations per second. 
And for all of you hippies that are into uh, efficiency and green way of living, which, boy, we really do a good job of that in Fort Worth, you're only burning 10 watts of power. And you just thought your Prius was cool. You're more efficient than your Prius and much more efficient than the guy that got his truck stuck in, in our pasture. You're a miracle. Matter of fact, I want you to lean, to, lean over to the guy or the girl next to you and say, I had no idea I was a miracle. I had no idea. Now, some of you thought you were a gift from God. Some of you even struggled saying that. You're like, I'll say it just because he told me. <laughs> you little conceited thing, you. Y'all like really struggle. Like, I, I have a hard time telling you I didn't know it. I've come by to start this series out with just planting. I want to plant this word in your spirit, and I want you to take it, and I want you to let it be cultivated this week, and I want it to grow and mature in your heart this week, and that is simply this. God can make your impossible possible. What's your impossible? What is your impossible? Because you've got one. You've got something that scares the daylights out of you. You've got something that creeps up on you in the midnight hour and taps you on your shoulder and tells you, this is never going to change. Whether it's your money, your family, your mind, your health, your job, your stress, something's reminding you, I'm your problem and I'll never go away. But the good news is, is as impossible as that big giant might seem, if you will put it in the hands of the Lord, just as you didn't know that you were a miracle, I've come to just remind you that God is in the miracle working business. And he can take whatever seems impossible to you and he can make it turn around. He can make it turn right. He can set it in its right place in the right order and he can do it right on time. And the only prerequisite is real simple and that is you gotta believe him for it. Just gotta believe him for it. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord. Let me, let, me just go ahead and, uh, let me just go ahead and stir some of you up. Some of you are going to embrace this, and you're going to feel like that running back that's been dying to get the ball. Every huddle, you've been hoping they would call your play. And, 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 and every time the quarterback goes down and he's about to take a snap, you're just hoping that he, just, that he calls a different play and he hands you the ball. You're dying to run with the ball. And then there's others of you, this is going to intimidate the fire out of you. And you're going to get nervous and you're going to get scared because you don't view yourself in this light. So for you that are ready to run with the ball, get ready. It's about to be handed to you. And for you that are intimidated by the ball, I want you to realize it's your time to run. And it's your time to make the play. It's your time to break the records in your faith. And that is found in the book of John 14 and 12. The Bible says something staggering, mind-blowing. It's hard to conceive this and understand this. Uh, whoever believes in me... Christ says, whoever believes, everybody say believes. believes. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, 
and they will do even greater things than these. Somebody say, believe Believe. for greater. greater. Pastor Tommy, I've got to make sure that I just heard you and I've got to make sure I heard you right. We have the ability to do greater things than even Jesus? Well, before you think I'm messing with you, I'm not the one that said it. Jesus has told us, you have the ability to even do greater than what Jesus has done. Whoa, slow down, Rev. If my Bible's right, like little crippled people were made whole and dead people came to life and little things like fish and bread fed 5,000 people and stuff like that. You're telling me I can do greater than that? No, I didn't. Jesus has told you, you can do greater than that. Well, what's that going to look like? I have no idea. But the Lord said, if you believe, you will be able to do greater than that. Again, some people will respond with, I don't believe that, and I'm going to keep that at my arm's length. If you choose to go that route, get ready, because you won't do greater things. You won't hardly do anything. You will only do what you can do, and I really hope you're good at what you do. If you are one that says, oh, snap, that would be the bomb if I could just walk around doing miracles and stuff. Now you've just missed it because you can't do the miracle. This is where some people get off track, especially in the Christian, especially in our Western Christian culture. We really elevate preachers, men and women, that have been used in signs and wonders, and we make the mistake of making them out to be like many gods, and we flock around them, and we cannot wait to get them to pray for us because we think that the miracle working power is within them. I've known people to drive hours, Dylan, to certain preachers to just get them, if I could just get him to pray, I know that this will happen. The only difference between him or her and you is the fact they're just willing to be crazy enough to walk in faith at another level and believe God for a miracle. Where we mess up, Renita, is we put all of our faith in this guy. We think, oh, if they could just get her to make that prayer, I know God will hear their prayer. So all of a sudden, we're disqualifying ourselves being able to move heaven in our praying. Does this make sense? Dare us not to make the mistake of elevating any personality. Male, female, preacher, or sometimes we even elevate the old prayer warrior. May not have ever preached a sermon, but you know good and well he or she is a prayer warrior. And if I could just go to her house and get her to pray for me. (laughs) Meanwhile, she's like, I'm tired of everybody coming to my house. Why can't they pray themselves? So give that little sister a break and catch a hold of this truth for yourself because you, you, my friend, have the ability to hit your knees in prayer and completely believe God to make your impossible possible. And you, just as Jesus Christ saw the miraculous 
If you will follow Jesus, you too will see the miraculous. You will experience it. You will witness it. You will have firsthand, first chair, front row visualization of the mighty acts of God. But you can't have it unless you're following after Jesus Christ. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord. Sometimes in this thing called the miraculous, you have to do something in the natural before God can do something in the supernatural. These are the steps of faith. In the Old Testament, there's a little, a little Bible story of some priests that before anything could happen supernaturally, Tim and Donna, the priest had to take a step into some water called the Jordan River. Now, why in the world would that be necessary for God to do something miraculous? Nothing is necessary for God to do anything in the miraculous other than you believing. And sometimes your obedience comes through acts of faith. When God says, I need you to step in the water, I know you want to roll your eyes and say, I don't want to step in the water. That water's cold. It's not like the baptism tank at Calvary Church where they keep it like a hot tub. The water's cold, and I don't want to step in the water. And the whole time God's like, it's not about the water. I just want to see if you're obedient. It may not be putting your foot in some water. It may just be your arm's crippled and I need you to stretch it out. How do I stretch out a crippled arm? It's not the point. Will you stretch out your crippled arm? But I don't know how that's going to feel. That's not what I ask you. Will you stretch out your crippled arm? I just don't know if I got time to stretch out my crippled arm. But will you? There's acts of obedience that turn heaven's attention and causes what you've done in the natural to become supernatural. It's like Naaman. There was a guy in the Old Testament named Naaman. He didn't just have to step in the water once. God told him to step in the water seven times. Sometimes faith is just one step, and then other times faith is seven steps. Other times faith is a lifestyle. Depending on the material God's working with, and you know who the material is, right? That's me. That's you. Depending on who he's working with depends on what he's asking of you. There's sometimes God just says, won't you just take a step? Other times God says, won't you go the distance with me? And if you're not following Jesus, if you're just looking for the miracle, you'll step once and if nothing happens, you're done. You bail out. And God's like, I I, kind of saw that coming because I kind of know everything. That's why, you know, he, 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 that's why he said seven times because he knew you were a one-stepper. And if something didn't happen instantly, you were done, you know. When the marriage don't work out because of one fight, you're done. When the job don't work out with one pay, you know, you're done. If, if, if the school don't work out, you're done. You're just one-stepper. That's why you never have roots. You never put something down. You, you, I better just move on. Somebody say, preach, preacher. Miracles, these things can't be explained. They're beyond understanding. And most of the time what happens is our natural tendency is to try to explain away things that we don't understand. If it's beyond our comprehension, we'll just kind of explain them away and we'll try to prove them not to be. I want to open your eyes to two things that keep you from a lifestyle of faith 2.0. First of all, there's this thing that creeps up within a man or within a woman, especially students, that skepticism. You become skeptical of things, meaning you sit back 
and you have your arms crossed a little way and you're just skeptical. It's kind of like, and this is not a shot to any salesmen that are here. We have a church full of great, talented salesmen, whether it be automobiles or real estate or you name it. If you're a salesman, you deal with people that are skeptical oftentimes because they're just not sure if you're giving them the right deal. So you begin, you, you deal with this a lot. If you're in sales, you deal with a lot of people like, mm-hmm, I see, mm-hmm. You just think you just saw me coming. I know more about this. And, you know, you got to push. When you're in sales, you got to, I'm selling right now, and I'm pushing through a bunch of it right now. You deal with this a lot, you know. Oh, really? I'm going to check you out first before I get the checkbook out. Skepticism, man, will keep you from experiencing God at another level. Unfortunately for us in the Christian faith, there's been an abuse, a spiritual abuse from the pulpit for many years. A lot of times it comes through means of television ministry or radio ministry or print ministry because it needs so much funding that it oftentimes comes across as a desperate need for money and money and money and money. And what happens too oftentimes people will, will hear something, a promise that the Bible can't support. They will hear a, an innocent plea. If you will give this amount of money, you will receive this kind of miracle. And the truth of the matter is miracles aren't tied to anything called money. Okay? They're not, they're not tied to that. And But what we make our mistake, Tamara, is, well, 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 we need a miracle. We're in a bind. We're in a tight spot. We're sick in our body or our marriage is collapsing and our, we're, we're, our finances are drying up. Oh, we only have $100 for our name. And he told me if I give my last 100 that something's going to happen. You just spent 100 bucks is what you just did. So we become skeptical. So then next time when it rolls around and we find ourselves in a tight spot and we need God to do something and a preacher comes by and says, just believe God and put your faith in God. Now, I've done that. No, you put your money in it. You didn't put your faith in it. You're trying to buy yourself a miracle. Oh, but, but, but I went to the 24-hour prayer meeting and I prayed until my knees were sore. You just put your works in it. You didn't put your faith in it. You thought that, that miracles were coming because you logged 12 hours of prayer. No, you just prayed a long time. You thought that miracles were coming because you gave X amount of money. No, you just, you just were kind and you gave a lot of money. Miracles can only come and will only come when you believe God and trust him and take him at his word that he can make your impossible possible. And it's not tied to anything you can do beyond believing. Somebody say, I received this. But it's beyond just skepticism. The miraculous is also hindered by disappointment. Disappointment oftentimes hinders God from doing a miracle in your life. What do you mean, Pastor, tell me about disappointment? Because there was a time in your life where you believed God for a miracle, and God did not perform what you thought should have been performed, so it's left you disappointed. And disappointment, while it lingers, your faith decreases because now you're tapping into a well that's not of God. Your humanity has been wounded. Your, your, your body, your, your soul, your thinking, and your flesh, everything's been let down, so therefore your spirit is weak. And you have a tendency now out of disappointment to not want to pray anymore because the enemy's whispered in your ear. You remember all that time you prayed for that and it never happened. I don't know why you're wasting your time now. 
and you're disappointed. So it's either that you're skeptical and don't believe in miracle signs and wonders, or you're possibly disappointed because it didn't show up the way you thought it should at one point. Needless to say, you're living at like 0.5, or you're living at 1.0. Now, I want to be real clear. You're saved. (laughs) You love God. It doesn't take faith 2.0 to be brought out of Egypt, man. Coming out of Egypt or being saved from your sinful life, that's just a simple, I mean, it's like .0000000000001 kind of faith. It's mustard seed faith. It's God, would you save me? Would you cleanse me? Would you forgive me? Would you pull me out of this sin? And God says, absolutely, come on. You're saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. And, and, and again, it's going to kind of rub some of you works-based people a little wrong going to rub you a little wrong. You're going to feel like some sandpapers knocking on your elbows and your, and your knees and you're getting a little uncomfortable up in here. But the truth of the matter is I'm not talking about saving faith. I'm talking about faith for the distance. I'm talking about faith for the supernatural. I'm talking about faith 2.0. And faith 2.0, it, it cannot come into your life if you're skeptical and if you're just, if you're just determined to be so disappointed in yesterday. Let me help somebody. I solicited this church for testimonies of miracles. It came through Calvary Connect, sent you an email, and I asked you to share with me some stories of how God has helped you through difficulty. I feel it's appropriate to share this with you this morning because it deals with this very issue that we're starting this series out with. And that's just a little teaching, a little laying of some foundation of how faith works. Check this out. This was sent to me. Pastor Tommy, I just felt led to share. I know you and I trust you and I believe wholeheartedly that your upcoming series in faith will be a complete picture of faith because ironically, more people have faith in, faith for miracles, signs, and wonders than they do for when they don't get those. Committing something to God and still believing, trusting, loving, and hoping no matter the outcome is where mature faith lies. Twice I had to commit the lives of my loved ones into the hands of God. I had to tell him I wanted life. But it was not my will, but his. And I trusted him either way. Once out of these two times, I trusted God for life in respect to my child. And God allowed there to be life. But secondly, Concerning these two times, I trusted God with my father, asking him for life. But God had a different plan. But what I have learned through this is that Jesus has been faithful to me in both situations. My faith in him has grown, perhaps even more in the latter situation concerning the passing of the father. Because of witnessing God's great love in times of sorrow. Thanks for just letting me share. I look forward to this series. Mature faith. 2.0 kind of faith. Is when you pray. And you believe God. But you turn it over to him. And wash your hands of it. And say thy will be done. I will serve you. I will love you. I will follow you. Let your will be done. Let me give you some good scripture, some solid foundation for you to live on this week. To the book of John, as I quickly come to a close, the book of John, chapter number two, 
and verse number one. The next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother told him, they have no wine. And then I get kind of, I get a little tickled. I think only Jesus can talk to his mama like this and get away with it. Jesus said, dear woman, would your mama not knock you out? He said, dear woman. <laughs> Man, my mama is like this little, little, little classy, little elegant thing. Boy, she would kung fu kick me in the chest. Dear woman. Jesus said, dear woman, that's not our problem. My time has not yet come. But his mother then told his servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for the Jewish ceremonial washing. Each of those jars could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus then tells the servants, go fill the jars with water. And when the jars were filled, he said, now dip some of that out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine... He didn't know where it came from, but of course the servants knew. He called the bridegroom over and he says this. He says, a host always serves the best wine first. Then when everyone has a lot to drink, you then bring out the less expensive wine. But you, you've kept the best wine for now. This portion of scripture, it's Jesus' first recorded miracle. It's so powerful I want to share something with you that's going to change your life this week. It's not so much what Mary did. It's what Mary did not do that changes everything in this story. Mary did not say, Jesus, this is what I think you need to do, son. I think you, son, I think you need to do something here. These folks are thirsty and they're out of wine. And what I think you ought to do is run down to the 7-Eleven, and I think you need to hook them up. Because I know you're Jesus. You got some money because you've been a carpenter now for many years. You've made a many a table and chair, and you're pretty good at what you do. And I know you got a little savings account. Go down there and take care of these people. They're thirsty. It's not what she did. Okay? Watch this. It's what she did not do that changes everything. Mary did not tell Jesus what to do. This is all she did. Mary identified the problem and she got Jesus involved. The step to the miraculous is just identify the problem and get your Jesus involved. Step back and let Jesus do what only Jesus can do. Come on, somebody. What do we do? <laughs> what do we do oftentimes? Jesus, you know little Johnny, he's in trouble. That boy, he's driving crazy, texting, driving. I'm going to pray, Lord, that you fry his iPhone 6, just burn it in his hands. And Lord, you know who he's been dating. I done followed her on Twitter. I don't like what I'm seeing, Lord. Let Johnny find somebody new, a church girl. Matter of fact, I think he needs little Susie right there on the third row because she come from good people, Lord. Now, you would know that because you're Lord, but I know it because we went to school together and we're in the same class. 92, baby, 92. And we're the same class. 
And I think he needs to meet Susie because you know what? His parents are good looking. We good looking because we a miracle. And like Pastor said, Pastor said we a miracle. So I just think that's what you ought to do, Jesus. And don't act like you don't pray like that. Jesus, I know what job I need. It just came open. That job popped open, and I know I'm right for that job, and I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to apply for that job, and this is what I need you to do, Lord. The contact says, that contact is George, and I need you to get in touch with George supernaturally, bit, and I need you to move on him. Let him know the guy in that dark charcoal gray suit with that crazy plaid shirt, he's the one. I need you to do that for me, Lord. Oh, by the way, Lord, I don't want to work on weekends at all, ever. I know I'm going to be entry level, but I need a management position, and Lord, this is what I want you to do. That's how we pray. Lord, I need you to help me on this test. You know I haven't studied, but you know it's been fun making donuts on the church parking lot all week long. And I need you to help me in that test. My truck got stuck. I'm out of registration. I'm out of inspection. But Lord, I need you to do something. Don't let Pastor Tommy haul my truck off. And don't let Pastor Tommy charge me $250 for fixing the ruts in the church. I had to get it out. I had to just come clean, you know. They don't know I got a tow strap in my truck and I'm going to jerk that thing right out that yard for this day is over. Mary, Mary never told Jesus what to do. Faith 2.0. Faith 2.0, faith at another level is you letting Jesus do what Jesus does and you being okay with how he does it. You're a follower of Christ. He's in control. He's telling you where to turn, what to say, when to buy, when to sell. He's telling you where to show up at the right time. He's ordering your steps. He's in control. He's leading you. You're following him. Faith at another level. Man, when you're running at point five and you're saved and you're happy about being saved, then all of a sudden you think you're, you know, now that you're saved, you can take back over the reins and, and you start taking control over your life and then you've been out of shape when things don't go well. All the while, you've been calling the shots. God's come by on this first Sunday of March to just try to bring you up a level to the place where you're trusting him and allowing him to take you where he wants you to go because the whole plan of God anyway is to take you from where you are to where he wants you to be. The key was him taking you there, not you calling the shots. The last thing I want to share with you out of this great scriptural reference of this first miracle, this miracle was huge. It was bigger than water to wine, which by the way, I don't think any of us could do that one. That's a pretty big deal. It gets kind of brushed over. You know, we're all fascinated because Lazarus was dead and he come to life. Okay, go, go turn some water to wine and then we'll talk about how small of a miracle it was. It's a big deal. But the bigger issue at hand, Tony, this was the, this was the, this was the tipping point. This is where everything changed. He's kind of been off radar now. And all of a sudden, the mighty God in Christ, it's kind of like, like some kind of superhero 
He comes out of his normal everyday attire. It's like he's had this, this suit on and then out of nowhere he shows us his glory. Because now he's not just a good teacher. He's not just a good friend. He's not just somebody you want to roll with. But now he's performed a miracle of the supernatural. But something bigger took place. The clock started ticking towards the crucifixion. Everything changed when his mama said, they don't have any wine. Even Jesus needed someone to get him to 2.0. Now, I'm not doubting Jesus' wisdom that the time was come. I'm not questioning Jesus on his knowledge and understanding of the matter at hand. The point is, even Jesus needed somebody to agree with him. That God can turn your impossible to possible. And even Jesus needed his mama. He needed somebody that loved him. He needed somebody, a brother and sister in Christ. He needed a preacher. He needed a saint. He needed a friend. It happened to be his mom to say, go on. Go on. You know what's going to happen. Just believe. And the Messiah, God with us, Emmanuel, the mighty one, he just steps into this new role and he says, go get those jars and fill them up with water. And it was on. Everything changed. I've just come by on this first Sunday of this third month while there's ice on the ground just to kind of wake somebody up, bring you up a level, and let you know that God can take the biggest problem you've got and give you the biggest miracle you've ever experienced. And I'm just wanting to nudge you. I'm just wanting to push you. I'm wanting to pull you. I'm wanting to lean on you. I'm wanting to encourage you. Dream the impossible dream. Imagine whatever you could come up with in your faith picture. Put God to the test. See the problem? Get Jesus involved and let him do his thing. Stand with me this morning. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. Somebody say, Pastor Tommy, I received this. What do you need God to do this week? Let me ask it a different way. What are you running low on? They were running low on wine. No one anybody tell me you're running low on wine. That's a whole nother sermon for a whole nother day. <laughs> Pastor, I could use some. That's not what we're talking about. What are you running low on? You run a little low on your energy, stressing. Stressing's got the best of you. You dreading Mondays, not just because it's Monday, but something big this week. You got a big week this week? Listen, husbands, listen, wives. You know exactly who you are. Are you running low on trust? Has your trust been compromised? You running low? You're fighting more than enjoying one's company? Listen, parents, 
You got teenagers, you got little ones, you're running low on patience. Businessmen, you're running low on capital. Entrepreneurs, you're running low on creativity. Students, you're running low on money. Ask your daddy and your mama before they leave here today. That ain't a miracle. That's just called asking for it. I guess what I'm trying to get across this morning is this. What do you need, man? We have not because we... I'm going to take my liberty and add a little bit to that. In your asking, you have to believe. I'm going to deal with this in 20 seconds or less, and then I'm going to pray over you. God's not moved by your need. You could pour mouth yourself to God all you want. We get hit up every day around here for money, 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 and money's not your issue. Money's not your problem. Your hang-up's your issue. Your addiction's your issue. Your challenge is your issue. And I'm not cold towards that. What I'm cold towards is don't paint a false picture. You got a problem, then you got a problem. First step is acknowledging you got a problem. Nothing wrong with having a problem. There's everything wrong with not acknowledging it and dealing with it. And don't try to backdoor it and come out like there's something else going on. You got an issue, man. God can help you with that. But you're going to have to believe him. And you're going to have to let him lead you. Don't be calling the shots. Don't be a taker. Faith 2.0 doesn't take other than taking back seat to God. I hope I'm helping somebody. I debated coming out of the shoots in this series and just preaching the paint off the wall and believing God for miracles, signs, and wonders. And it hit me, Robin. It hit me like a ton of bricks. Some people don't even understand how the process works. So I'm going to take my time and teach about this a little bit because God's plan for your life is for you to experience miracles. God's plan for your life is for you to experience the absolute biggest mountain in your world to crumble. That's God's perfect plan for you. God's plan for you is to see the impossible done in the name of Jesus. But you got to kind of know how to get there. You got to understand what you're doing. You got to navigate this thing properly. Because faith, faith mis, misused, man, it's not going to, it's not going to, not going to come about. Whew. This service feels a little different than that first one. And I'm okay with it. I'm comfortable with it because I know that I'm following. I'm following him. I want you to bow your heads. I reach into your private heart right now. I'm asking no one to look around. This is between you and God. And God's going to allow me to play a small role in it. First and foremost, the greatest miracle that anyone could ever experience is the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Today could be the day that you witness your miracle of being saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. If you're away from God, if you're living a lifestyle of sin, and you need Jesus Christ to come into your life as Lord and Savior, it's real easy. If you'll just repent of your sin, and if you'll just call on the name of Jesus Christ, and confess your need for a Savior, Jesus can save you even now. 
if you're in that position in life and you're ready to take the plunge of faith, saving faith, and declaring him as your Lord and Savior, I want you to lift your hand quickly. I'm praying for you specifically. Right in the back. God bless you. Keep your hand up. Is there anyone else right here in the center? God bless you, my friends. Keep your hands up right here in this section. That's beautiful. And right over here. If you have your hand up, I want you to quickly come to the front of this church right now. Take a step of faith. We're going to go to a whole nother level of believing. If you have your hand up in this regard, come quickly. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you, my friend, are going to have a miracle. God's grace is about to make a difference in your life. Quickly come. God bless you today. These are those that are coming to have an experience with a saving grace of Jesus Christ. Could you give it up for these that are making their way right now? Praise be unto God. Praise be unto God. All of you, all of you right here in this altar, I want you to look at me. Make eye contact with me real quick. I know you want your heads down because you're in reverence to the Lord. I want you to look at me real quick, though. I celebrate this decision. What you're doing today is going to change your life forever. My friend, what you have done, just by, you, you may say, really? By just stepping up here? That's how cool God is. You don't have to have, you don't have to be good. You don't have to look right. You don't have to, you don't have anything right about you for God to love you. God loves you just as you are. And you, you, you may say, Pastor Donald, you don't really understand. No, I don't have to. That's the coolest thing about God. Right this very minute, standing right where you are this very second, God loves you. And God's here to save you. And God wants to help you through your trials and your challenges. Somebody needs to say amen. amen. Now, and one more time now, I'm asking you. I'm asking you today. Is there a need in your life? Your need's not going to move God. I second question that, do you have faith in your life? If you acknowledge the need, do you have faith in God that God's going to meet you in your need and he's going to bless you and change your life? If you have a pressing need in your life and you're ready to completely trust God with it, I want you to come quickly. This is not, not, not for everybody. If you have a need in your life, you need God to perform a miracle in whatever respect, in whatever area. You're not going to have to tell me what area. I'm not here to ask you what area. I just need to know if I can pray with you to have your miracle. Come quickly, come close, come close. You need a miracle. You need God to do something supernaturally. This is beyond your understanding. This is something greater than what you can actually put a pencil to. You can't really figure it out, but God's gonna do something for you. What you're doing right now is taking steps of great faith. I see couples coming, I see businessmen coming, I see school teachers coming. I see school teachers here. Yeah, your school teachers, all school teachers need a miracle. If there ain't a school teacher in this altar, you crazy. I'd be running down here. I'm a school teacher. I just need a miracle. I need a school teacher. I got kids driving me crazy. Sandy's here. <laughs> school teacher. This is good. This is good. This is good. This is good. Now check this out. This is the most important part before we pray. My prayer for you you got to listen now. Don't get distracted. My prayer for you is that you'll believe God. You're going to have to believe him. And then you're going to have to trust him. And just as the message was sent to me by digital communication from a member of this church, you're going to have to be okay with however it looks. 
Because some of you have already walked down here. I know exactly what I'm praying for. Boy, that preacher done got me stirred up. God's able. Oh, I know exactly. I know what color it's going to be. It's going to be 2015. It's going to have leather. I know exactly what it's going to be. I'm going to get a GPS in this one. Boy, the Lord's going to bless me in navigation because you know I'm always lost. Okay, erase that. Erase that. Erase that. Faith 2.0 is vulnerability. That God is sovereign. And God knows not what you just want. God knows what you need. Faith 2.0 is trust that he's got your back. And he knows exactly where you are. And he knows exactly what you need. Do you receive this? On your own, I want you to reach up to God. Whether it be with a hand, whether it be with a heart, whether it be with your eyes. On your own, reach up to God. This is you coming to the Lord. This is you reaching up to God. This is you stating your plea. You're identifying the problem. You're getting Jesus involved. But this is you. You're about to take the back seat. And you're going to let God work it out. It's in the powerful, matchless name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That I pray for every single person in this altar. They've come, Lord, whether it be with the need of repentance of sin, whether it be the need of a miracle manifested even today. You know these people. You know these people a lot better than I know them. And Father, you right now in the name of Jesus, I agree with these families, these individuals, these homes. I agree with them for the very prayer that they're calling out to you. And Father, we speak it. Let it be according to our...